Hey guys, welcome to the podcast Bridged. I'm your host, Daryl Porter, and I look forward to working with you in attempts to bridge the gap between K-12 education and industry. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast Bridge. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the Bridged Podcast. Um, I appreciate you uh, just tuning in for for this episode. I'm very excited about this episode. Excited to bring on our very first person that we're going to interview. Uh, let me introduce him a little bit. A guy named uh, Marty Silverman. Uh, Marty is a dad, granddad, and husband along with being a longtime educator. He currently serves as a principal of Salinas Elementary School in beautiful San Antonio, Texas, and he is the host of the Second Question podcast, which, by the way, if you have not listened to that, I highly suggest you go ahead and, after this episode, subscribe to that uh, podcast and start listening. He's got, uh, I don't know, eight, nine, I'll ask him here in a minute, uh, different episodes that he's... uh, He's produced and, and, and really excited about those. And this podcast actually highlights all things educations. And so with that, we want to welcome to the Bridge Podcast, Marty Silverman. Marty, thanks for being here. Hey, Daryl. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Yeah, I uh, I know it's it's cold and and. You know, both of us, really many of us around the state of Texas are dealing with a lot. And so absolutely appreciate you taking some time out um, of your day, of your evening to, to be a part of this. So so we'll just go ahead and get started. You and I have some ties. We've, we've got a connection. Um, Want to talk a little bit about that. So, so tell us a little bit about your your life and education and when we get to our our ties we'll stop and we'll talk we'll talk about that well uh, no i'm happy to and you know actually daryl we have two ties so we'll get to both of those ties uh in just a minute but um a little bit about me i was born and raised in uh brooklyn new york the garden spot of america um happy to be a new yorker i had such a great upbringing in in new york and and it's a great place to grow up i have to say and um, I went to college, uh, became a teacher. Um, I didn't initially intend to be an education major, but I think education was probably always something that I thought I would do. You know, I know a lot of people come about uh, getting into education uh, kind of by accident. I, I can't say that mine is by accident. I don't have any teachers in my family, but uh, teaching is something that I was thought well of. And so I, you know, I really did believe it might be something I might do in the future. And then that's what I did. Um, I got my first teaching job in Houston uh, and I was living in upstate New York, going to college in Oswego, New York, uh, north of Syracuse, right on the shore of Lake Ontario. And it snowed, you know, I think the average is like 120 inches a year. So when I heard mm. that they were looking for teachers in Texas, that sounded like a dandy idea. And uh, I did some on-campus interviews, uh, yeah, outside of uh, my campus uh, and was offered a position. And I moved to Houston sight unseen as a 21-year-old first-year teacher. I had a great experience. 
Um, I've always taught elementary school. I taught elementary school for seven years. I was in Houston for three, and then I kind of slid over uh, down I-10 and moved to San Antonio. And um, I taught here for four years. After uh, teaching, I had this amazing position uh, in the school district that I was working in. It was called a personnel appraiser. And what that job was, was I, for a year and a half, got to only observe teachers. And so it, back in the old system that we used to have, uh, every teacher needed two appraisals, one by their supervisor and one by another person. Mm. And elementary schools in San Antonio uh, Independent School District didn't have assistant principals. And so they hired this cadre of people that would go around and do those observations. And so I estimate in the year and a half I did that job, I, I think I was in uh, over 400 classrooms. Uh, I got to see elementary and uh, middle school classrooms, uh, everything from visually handicapped infants that were 18 months old in little onesies and uh, up to eighth grade, you know, pre-AP classes. Ah. And so uh, a great experience and ability to see all kinds of different teaching. Yeah, it, it was it was a great experience. Uh, from that, I became an assistant principal uh, in San Antonio ISD, at, actually at the school that I taught at. Uh, and little known fact, it was actually the school that my wife taught at. She was still teaching there at the time. So for that year and a half, I did that job. I was actually semi-officially her supervisor. But uh, as a married guy, you know exactly how that went outside of school. Um, <laughs> so that's so, what I was going to ask. Were you guys married uh, at the that, time? I took a job. Or... Yeah, no, no, yeah, we were, we were, we were, we got married the first year I moved here. Uh, we met, we were teaching together, and we got married at the end of that school year. Um, uh, interesting story. We we were married four months from our first date, and that was thirty four years ago in June. Wow! So, uh, you know, extremely brief courtship. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. And so we. Um, we did work together. I was her assistant principal for that year and a half. And then I saw a little ad for a small school district outside of San Antonio called Medina Valley, uh, which is one of our two connections. And um, they were looking for a principal of a primary school, a pre-K at that time, a pre-K through two school with 470-ish kids. And uh, those were back in the days when you... Um, saw the ads in the newspaper. It was in the local newspaper. I answered the ad and long story short, I got hired to be the primary school principal there and uh, was there for five years. Um, after that, we had actually thought about moving out of San Antonio. My wife is uh, a native of Iowa. And we thought, well, we don't have you know family ties here in San Antonio. Maybe we can move somewhere else. But I ended up getting a principal job in Judson Independent School District, and that's where I am still today. So um, this is year 38 in education, in public education, all of them here in Texas, and uh, that's where I ended up and how I ended up where I am wow. right now. Well, that's such a great story. And yeah, we do have a connection um, in in Medina Valley. So so you were there, I think you said five years. I think that's what I had heard. Um, I was I was only there a year. Um, however, that was such a unique um, that was such a unique community that that my wife and I had the opportunity to be a part of. I was there 
this was the sixth year of my, I guess, tenure with the same head coach. So, so I followed the same head coach from, from Fort Worth down to Austin. Then I met my wife in Austin and then I moved to Medina Valley. And this was the sixth and final year that I was, um, I was with coach Hale, a phenomenal coach, phenomenal guy, phenomenal friend. Um, but, but after that, you know, ended up moving into or pursuing really was going to pursue the ministry, but, but, but after, after that found out that, that, you know, our calling was, was more in administration, but, but loved, absolutely loved our time. I was a co-offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. I was the offensive coordinator, um, an assistant head coach down there for, for that one year. And, you know, we had a, we had a successful, successful season and, uh, met pretty, pretty big Corpus Christi, um, team in the playoffs and, and, in the first round. And, and, and that was it. That was the last year that that was the last game that I coached, but also it was the, it was the first and the only game that I coached while having kids. So I had my first son a week before missed that Friday. And then the next week ended up, um, ended up playing there. And so, so that was the only time I ever coached football with kids and, you know, some, some coaches do it well, but, but, you know, speaking of football, we have another connection. Um, a, a guy that, a guy that you, uh, you, you had, uh, working for you B Rob and, and man, he, I spent up some four years with the guy. B Rob. Exactly. Yeah. I spent four years with a guy up in uh, Missouri, had a, uh, had a lot of fun with him. It was, uh, we went to Southwest Baptist university together and, um, you know, played football together, really got to know each other and, and still, you know, are connected today. So, yeah, that, that was going to say that was our other connection. Uh, Brian was uh, my one of my PE aides uh, at Hopkins Elementary when I was principal there. And, uh, you know, I know Brian, I know his mom worked for our district. I think she just very recently retired. Um, Mardine, I don't know if you ever met his mom, but uh, his mom worked in our district, and uh, when she had a son that was looking for a position, uh, I was more than happy to have uh, B-Rob come work uh, with me, for me, I guess, however you want to put it. He's a, a quality guy, and it was uh, he was such a, a pleasure to just be with, and you know he enjoyed uh, being out with the kids, and, and he did a really good job. Yeah. And he's actually doing a good job right now. He's at a P Tech high school uh, in Dallas, where you know P Tech is is one of one of the things that I'm over. So so you know him and I still have that connection. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I I uh, you know excited to have that friendship with him, and and really excited to 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 start this friendship with you. You you've you've kind of intrigued me a lot when it comes to what you do, um, and I'm not just talking about being being a principal. So, so, so that is something that, that you do for, um, for a passion, but, but really you, you intrigue by, by who you are and, and, and the type of spirit you bring. You've, you've kind of, you know, taken me and mentored me when it comes to different things of, of doing this podcast. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking, I think earlier today over social media today or yesterday, and just your perspective on the things that are, that are happening right now in the state of Texas with the freeze and, and the, the power outages and the, the, the lack of water supply to, to certain things, you, you brought a really, really good perspective to that. And, 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 you know, ultimately we, 
we all have our reasons to be down. Um, but ultimately you're, you, you, you've got warmth, you've got electricity, you, you know, it could be worse. And so, so I appreciate you bringing that perspective, um, just to, to that conversation. No, absolutely. And you, and well, and I appreciate that. And it really, uh, that is kind of how I choose to look at things because, uh, you're right. There's enough to complain about. There's plenty to complain about. There's plenty to complain about with, uh, everything that's happened, you know, since March 2020. And let's face it, before then, that's not when complaining started. People were, you know, were finding things to complain about before then. But, uh, you know, I, I choose for the most part to, and, and I'm, you know, human, I'm, I'm a normal guy. I mean, there's things that irritate the snot out of me and, and, uh, and I'll complain about them, but I have to bring myself back to center, you know, and realize, God, I mean, there are so many worst things that could be going on. And really most of these things like this freeze, you and I were just talking about before we, uh, you know, went live, uh, it, in a week, right. it's going to be, uh, stories that we're going to tell. So, uh, being without water a few days, uh, people who are going to be without power for a few days for the most part are, you know, going to soon get over this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into some of the content. Um, and during that conversation, I kind of want to shift the, the conversation that we had prior to going live. I, I want to shift because we, we we talked about what an excellent time to kind of expose the frontline workers that are out, the the linemen, the, the people that work on the electricity, the people, the plumbers, the people that work on um you, you know, you know the, the the pipes that may may or may not bust um, during a time like this, and so this is a good opportunity just to kind of talk about those people and and what they do and and how they bring you know bring that uh, that what we need to to our society and 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 really those those trades that are taught in K-12 education kind of lead themselves to that. Now you have a son that, that works, um, in, in a trade works on what an HVAC. Is that correct? Right. Right. He's uh, an HVAC tech and uh, you know, he, you know, that's uh, a perfect example. He academically in school was, he did great in school. He was, you know, academically, he was, he had high grades and, uh, he's a deep thinker. You know, he's a sensitive, um, a sensitive guy. He sees connections uh, really well. Academically, he could have uh, done anything he wanted to do academically, but, you know, he also knows himself and school was not his favorite place that the actual school experience was not his favorite. And, um, he, you know, kind of, I don't want to say stumbled around, but he did kind of stumble around until he found what it was that he really wanted to do. And, you know, you can put sort of the root of that into one of the electives that he took at Medina Valley. He went to, we didn't live in Medina Valley. We don't, but uh, because my wife also worked there, my kids went there. They started when I worked there and then uh, my older two uh, went through all the way to graduation there. And he took an ag class, which was, he was taking, I think, just to fill a, a blank in his schedule, but he found that it was more interesting to him than he thought it was going to be, that uh, there were things about it that he really liked. And I would say that that 
may be the the seed of what eventually mm -hmm. uh, brought him to really enjoying um, working in HVAC. And, you know, he's one of those frontline workers for sure, because he's been on call. He's had tons of calls for, you know, people's heat pumps going out and things like that and had to brave the the weather and and all that and you know i think about the poor guy in the summer you know up in attics that are 100 and whatever degrees because the air is not working and attics aren't insulated and cooled anyway but um there are definitely people who thank god have the calling to want to do something like that and you bring up a, a really good point and 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 i think it i think that point needs to be exposed so the our students that go into trades traditionally do have to have really good grades. They, they, they have to do well in school um, because the, the elective part is so demanding. They're so, so meticulous in, in what they do and what they, um, what they learn that, that they have to have a pretty good mind. And so, so sometimes that can be the stigma of, Let's 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 focus on our 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 bottom quartile and try to figure out how to get them an industry-based certification, um, and that's all fine and good when it comes to accountability. But for when it comes to to passion, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's noble. I think it's wise for students to understand who they are and and, and what they enjoy and really what they want to do, especially at, a, at an early age. And, and, and kudos to, to you and kudos to him for, for finding that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really glad that you, you, you pointed that out. Well, you know, Daryl, um, you also bring up a good point. And I, I think traditional college preparatory school does look at students differently who are maybe um, have their abilities and their interests in a place that's not just the land of ideas and theories. So there are people who there are people who might discount uh, a student who uh, you know shows strong aptitude to working with his or her hands or um, and we can also extend that to, you know, kids in the arts and kids in music and kids who are who are doing um, subjects that they're really good at, but that are not paper, pencil, traditional uh, subjects that way. And so those students may possibly not do as well in a English class or a math class. It doesn't mean they don't have the intelligence or the ability by any means. It's just that the way things are taught to them in a class like that doesn't match with uh, their aptitudes. Yeah. So, so that brings me to another question as an elementary principal, elementary teacher, and we can talk about teaching trades in, in, in the elementary, but, but I kind of want to focus on what we were just talking about. How can you identify that type of learning at the elementary level, see at the high school, what I find is okay. We we put them in this big CTE center. They're they're gravitated towards um, a, a warehouse that they get to work in with just distribution and logistics, or or you know a, a health science suite that has forty beds in it if they want to go into health sciences. But at the elementary school level, they don't necessarily have that. How can you identify? that type of learning at the elementary level? Well, you know, going back to just 
theory of child development, and you, as a parent of little kids, uh, can probably relate to this on a almost daily basis. You know, kids uh, who are elementary age, and I'm talking from the earliest elementary age, you know, pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, um, they exist in a world where things just exist, right? Um, products that they use, that they see, are just there. They, they don't really put much thought into where did this come from? How did this, you know, how was this made? How does this system work for, you know, uh, how does, uh, who's the person that brings the product to me? Um, you know, what's, what is the, that transportation system like that? I mean, they, they just don't think that you present them with a product or, you know, with whatever, and they just accept that it exists out of, you know, thin air, I guess. Um, and we in elementary school traditionally have done a very minor job of presenting uh, career day, something like that, like where we'll bring people in as a disconnected event, where we'll say, you know, these are people who do interesting jobs. Sometimes they're not interesting jobs, to be quite honest, and certainly not interesting to a five, six, seven, eight-year-old. Um, they're and maybe you know what and and to be honest sometimes they're not terribly interesting to the adult that's doing the job but but kids are exposed usually in a one-time right. deal to you know this is a career day and th these are things that that people do and so a lot of times in that event a um a craftsperson or a, a tradesperson is highlighted but what I would suggest that we do is to more organically integrate that by highlighting what the systems are that exist in the world. So we start teaching very vaguely and generally systems as an idea um, in maybe mid-ish elementary school. And so kids start to learn, you know, how things, and usually that's done as part of a as part of science. And sometimes it's done as part of social studies um, where we'll look at a, a system of something. And when we talk about the systems of things, I think that's where we start getting kids specifically interested uh, and aware of the fact that there are pieces of a system and those pieces when they're done as, as careers are done by different people with different abilities. And so, um, it, when we have kids as young as kindergarten doing dramatic play, for example, and they're pretending to be, you know, I'll, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a chef, I'm going to be a whatever, kids naturally fall into that. But, you know, unless we provide the tools, equipment, idea, sometimes they wouldn't just come up with that on their own. So as elementary educators, that's like job one for us uh, beginning the thinking of CTE as they get older is providing those kind of opportunities. That is, that's so interesting. And it, and if you're listening, I'm, I'm hoping that you're saving this or taking notes or, or something. I feel like I need to be taking notes. I'm, I'm getting schooled because all I've ever been is in secondary education. Uh, and, and, and my wife's an elementary uh, teacher and she's a phenomenal teacher. Um, and I learn constantly from her and I'm learning from my kids. 
Um, but I think you also provided just an insight that I never really understood or ne never really thought of, you know, just the fact that we can throw somebody in a cool uniform or, or with a, with a cool truck or whatever in front of our kids and say, we did our job, but you know, looking deeper into it, did we really? Um, and I like your perspective of just saying, man, we need to expose them to the systems of things. We need to, because they're not going to come up with it on their own. Whereas a secondary, that's what we require. We want them to come up with the systems on their own. Here's the final product. You need to figure out a way to get to the final product. Um, that that elementary type of thinking is is not like that. And so, so thanks for thanks for bringing that. Uh, I think that's huge, which then leads me to really the question. And you know what, Darren, let me, before you do that, let me give you a, an example. So one of the units that's taught in social studies is transportation. And forgive me, I, the grade, I can't remember, but it's early elementary, kindergarten, first grade, and they talk about different forms of transportation. So um, a couple of years ago, my counselor hooked onto the idea of that transportation unit. And what she did was she provided a, what she called careers on wheels um, activity for the kids. So we out in the back of the school, she brought all these different people whose jobs involved transportation. So we had like a semi driver with his semi out there. Uh, we also though had an, uh, a car dealer with, uh, with cars, you know, we had a, an auto mechanic, mm. we had um, just a, an array of people who organically were fit into the unit that the kids had learned as kind of an enhancement activity. So it was, you're learning about transportation. And now these are people who do that for their living. And I think that's, you know, uh, definitely a step in the direction that we should be going. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, and 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 really, it, it brings that brings that learning to life. Now you're now you're not just talking about it; you actually get to see it. You get to get to interact with it, and 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 get to make it real for you. So, okay, so so that that's going to lead me to really the the question that I'm going to ask on every interview, and really, it's this: according to your perspective. How do we bridge the gap between K-12 education and industry? You know, uh, I've thought about that. And that is, that is easily answered um, as we sit here talking, you know, together, you and I. Um, the, the getting the answer to become policy slash reality may be a little bit, you know, more work than, as you know, because you do that work. Um, I think what we need to do first is, and, and I'll start with in elementary right. school, providing opportunities. So we had the opportunity this year to add an additional specials class, you know, so kids typically do uh, music, PE, computer lab as their specials, but we, by because of enrollment, had the opportunity to add an additional specials. And so we added a, we made our, our extra specials class a, a STEAM class. So we have a, I have a teacher who's dedicated to teaching STEAM. So she's teaching uh, science, technology, you know, engineering, art, um, and she's teaching coding and she's doing all these different things with kids to kind of get them in, 
in the in the mindset in the basic idea of um, what we were talking about earlier about uh, these are systems this is how systems work and um, once you learn how to do that then you will see that there are eventually as you get older career paths that go along with that um, so you know the first thing I would say to make that connection would be to uh, ensure that we provide uh, STEM and STEAM education in elementary schools. That's not a required thing necessarily, but um, it's it's a good idea. And with shifting of resources, it may be even more possible. Um, so that would be the first thing. The second thing is we we need to to make schools and communities not separate from each other. We need to to have people who are in a business and industry know what happens in schools and we need to welcome that involvement and the other way around. And so, you know, uh, just in elementary school, that's clubs, that's field trips, that's um, sponsorships that lead to uh, mentoring, you know, just things like that where we, where we kind of blur the line between school and the community because the school is not separate from the community. The school is, is, some people would say the school is the community. And so if the school is the community, then the the people who work in the community mm-hmm. are part of the school and we're part of them. And and so, you know, I would say that that would be the other thing. But what that requires is not money. See, this is an easy one to do, but it's, but it's also hard to do because people like their... Uh, I don't want to say divisions. They like their spots. They like their places. And, you know, typically what happens in school is the school and what happens outside of school is the community. But making a conscious effort to bridge that is, I think, step one for us in elementary school. And then moving that along to, of course, to secondary education as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I I can absolutely agree with you in the in in just allowing community members to 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 be a part of what you're doing on campus and 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 really, you know, here here's the thing. If you're not telling your story, somebody is, and this is a way, this is an opportunity to get your story out to get the great things that you're doing on your campus within your district uh, to get it out is, is continually involving those who may not be uh, employed by the school district who have a genuine interest because they're sending their greatest um, commodity and asset to you on a daily basis. They're, they're sending their most precious item to you on a daily basis. I think, I think in, in, in reality, they deserve to, 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 to know what's going on. And so, so yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, Marty, I will, um, I'll let you get back to, uh, to your family. Thank you so much for, um, for, for joining me tonight and, and, and really just taking, you know, almost an hour out of your evening to, to chat with me, to, to catch up, to get to know uh, one another. And man, I sure hope that you guys, uh, you guys stay warm and, and, and find a way through all of this. Well, Daryl, I really appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, obviously, you know, I like to 
to talk. And so, uh, you know, anytime given the opportunity to talk, I'll take it. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, listening to your podcast. This is not an area of expertise for me, CTE, but uh, I feel like I'm learning so much from you uh, about what the future of CTE is and and how it all fits. And so uh, I appreciate your efforts uh, for putting that word out there as well and and for being you know so open with uh, your communication with me it's very very much appreciated and i enjoy it very much well thank you for that thank you for those words and and once again don't forget to after this subscribe to the second question podcast it does a phenomenal job and um Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening all. Be well, and we will talk with you later. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, Bridged.